0: All right, we're in Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse. We'll slowly work our way through it. There's a topic within every verses that we cover. And so the topic for this morning, I would say, is spending time with God. And right now you're spending time with God. So you got to think a little bit bigger, and we'll get to that in our study. But if you want to think, think of a title, a theme, it'd be spending time with God. All right, we're going to look at 23 through 31. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill Saul. But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. And he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and how that Jesus had spoken to Saul and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So Saul was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea, and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, so that would be all of Israel, had peace and were edified or built up. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied or the church grew. Father, we thank you again and we just come to worship you through your word, Father. Our lives should be 24-7 worship. And so maybe right now something's heavy on our hearts and our minds are weighed down. We want to go to the scriptures. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So Father, we just bring those anxious thoughts to you. So that our minds for these next few moments in eternity could be clear. That we could hear from heaven what you desire to share with us. I pray for the gift of teaching. And Father, that you would be glorified. Bless Calvary Chapel, Fountain Hill. Strengthen Rick as he gets up to share this morning. It's going to be a tough morning. But I know you're building their testimony. And it's going to be an incredible testimony for their lives. How you're a good God. So comfort them, strengthen them. Send your Holy Spirit right now. To do a mighty work there. Father, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, we've been studying Saul's conversion, and now he is filled with the Holy Spirit, which is what he lacked as a religious person. So if you're here this morning, there might be one person here this morning, and you're punching the clock, so to speak, or you're doing your religious duty. You're not born again. As Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. And Nicodemus was a very religious Pharisee. You need to be born again. You need to ask Jesus to be your savior. Otherwise, this is not going to make sense. Paul knew the scriptures. Via the Holy Spirit, Saul is able to show the Jews through the Old Testament scriptures... That Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah or the Son of God, the Anointed One. The one that they were looking for. Matter of fact, we're going to Israel in 2021. The first time we went in 93, there were signs, uh, banners on the condominiums. The Messiah is coming in Hebrew. Today, they are still looking for the first Messiah. Jesus is not the Messiah in their mind. No, Jesus is the Messiah. Since Saul was a Pharisee, he had studied the scriptures for decades, and he knew them perfectly through human eyes. But now that he's become a Christian, he starts to see the scriptures through spiritual eyes. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is a very, very important scripture for you to know. He starts to see the scriptures through spiritual eyes, and the word sinks down deep into his heart. Many times we'll ask ourselves, you know, why don't they get it? Why don't my family members get it? Why doesn't my cousin get it? Why doesn't my mate get it? Why don't my kids get it? Well, in 1 Corinthians 2 we read this. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. Now think who's writing this. Who's writing this to the Corinthians? Corinthians. Paul, Paul is Saul, name change, a tremendous man, a man of tremendous wisdom, earthly wisdom. He's inspired the Holy Spirit to write this, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Why is it so important? Well, verse 14 tells us, but the natural man or the natural woman does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Now notice the Spirit there is capital S. That's Holy Spirit. You see, as an unbeliever, I was attending church and I was punching the clock every Sunday. And in the church I attended, the Roman Catholic Church, they would have an Old Testament reading, they would have a New Testament reading, and they'd have reading out of the book of Psalms. So the word of God was being proclaimed, but because I was not born again, it fell on deaf ears. Ever since a little child, three, every, once a week, every Sunday, I'd hear the Word. If I'd hear the Word, I'd hear the Word. It meant nothing to me. I lived like the devil. I could care less about the Word. Why? Because the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. So if you're here this morning and you're not receiving the Bible, you're not receiving the things of God, you might want to ask yourself, have I actually been born again? Or am I just playing church? If I say to myself, well, the Bible's archaic, it doesn't make any sense, it's, no, it's not for today, you're probably not born again. <laughs> because none of those things are true. It's totally applicable, as you're going to see in our study today, as you're seeing right now. If you don't think the Bible has anything for you, you're probably just in the natural, and you need to become born again. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Why? They're foolishness to him. Oh, come on, living together, what's the big deal? We're married in God's eyes. That Bible, this is 2019, come on. It's okay to live together and have sex outside of marriage. It's okay to have same-sex marriage. It's okay to to get drunk. nothing wrong with that, as long as I don't drive. What's wrong? What's the matter with you? You religious people are so narrow. It's foolishness to them. It was foolishness to me. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You see, guys, there's the answer. If you don't think the Bible means anything, it's because you're not born again. Plain and simple. And once I became born again, and then I started to hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit that dwelled within me, it started to click. And it was like, oh, oh, oh. And then as I started reading my Bible, the Holy Spirit was, oh, oh, oh. That's how it takes place. So if you're here today and you're not born again, you're not going to get a whole lot out of this. And I'm not, I'm not going to be surprised. But you need to become born again. Saul is seeing his life being transformed and the desire to exterminate the Christian faith has become a desire now to seek and save anyone who would listen, Jew or Gentile. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 5. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20. And let's see what happens when a person does receive Jesus as their Savior. What takes place? Well, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, as a believer, when I receive Jesus as my Savior, I start to look at things through if you want to use the analogy, I guess you could say through a different set of glasses, not rose colored glasses, that everything's wonderful and nothing bad ever going to come into my life. No, none of that nonsense. But now I start to see the spiritual world. My eyes, my spiritual eyes are now opened up to the demonic forces who are trying to deceive me, who are out to kill me, destroy me. Verse 18. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Notice who did the reconciling. All religions are trying to get people to be good enough. If I'm just good enough, God will love me. If I just say enough prayers, if I just knock on enough doors, if I just give enough money, if I just attend enough services, God will love me and I'll be forgiven. So who's trying to do the reconciling in that scenario? I am. I'm trying to be good enough so that I can be forgiven. What do the scriptures teach us? We just read it. That God reconciled the whole world. The the worst person in your mind alive today, if you could think of the worst person, that person is forgiven. They just need to appropriate that forgiveness. Until they appropriate that forgiveness, they're not forgiven on earth, but they're forgiven in heaven. That means when they die, they will go to hell because they have not appropriated that forgiveness. And they'll never be able to say to God, well, you didn't forgive me. No, I did. I forgave you at the cross. You just didn't appropriate You wouldn't listen. You wouldn't humble yourself. It's all about humility. And has given us, now Paul says, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So who is the us here? Is it just the pastor? Is it just the elders or the deacons? Every Bible-believing Christian has the ministry of reconciliation has the ministry of reconciliation. In other words, you have the opportunity to plant, to water, to let people know God loves you, God's forgiven you, you can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. That is, that God was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Remember who's writing this? Saul was an ambassador for Judaism. I'm going to kill every Christian. That's what God wants me to do. Kill every Christian. No. He realized, no, I'm an ambassador for Jesus. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf. So you as a human being represent Jesus. And when you go to your workplace or your neighborhood or your family functions or whatever it might be, you represent Jesus. You represent Jesus because people might say, well, if God was only here, if God would do a miracle, nah, you're looking at a miracle because I was heading to hell and now I'm going to heaven. So if you need a miracle, you're looking at a miracle. So what's your next excuse? Because we all had excuses, right? Before we came to know Jesus Christ, we all had excuses. That's just part of this life. We all had them be reconciled to God. So Paul here now is begging people And who is he writing to? A Gentile church. A Gentile church. Be reconciled to God. Ask for forgiveness. God loves you. He's forgiven you. For he made him, for God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So as I go before the judge... And God is the judge. And I stand before God in heaven with no defense attorney. And God looks at me and he opens the book and he sees all of my sins. And I say, well, I'm not that bad. And he looks down at his book. "Well, All these sins and you're not that bad? What are you talking about? No, I'm guilty. But as a believer, my defense attorney steps in front of me. And now God sees Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ. And then he sees me. And the Bible says he sees me as ho- today. You might not see me this way. My wife might not see me this way. I might not see myself this way, but this is how God sees me. And that's what I care about. He sees me as holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And the word unreprovable means there's no record of wrong, none whatsoever from heaven to earth. Now, unfortunately, do I still do wrong here on earth? Yes, I do, and I need to ask for forgiveness. But guys, you got to get the bigger picture here. God never changes; That's never changed. From heaven to earth, God always sees us as holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. Why? Because of Jesus, the blood of Jesus Christ, not because of my good works. So as we think about this, you know, scholars tell us, as we look back in Acts here between verses 22 and 23, you're not going to see this in your Bible, so you've got to do a little bit of studying. But scholars, people who spend decades studying these things, tell us that between verses 22 and 23 is probably when Saul left the area to be discipled by God himself. You see, much like Moses, Saul had to spend time alone with God in order to get things right. Verses 23 to 31 covers roughly an eight-year time span. The first part of those eight years was time spent with God to be discipled by God. You see, Saul needed to be reprogrammed, just like we do. We need to be reprogrammed. His religious mentality had to become a relationship mentality. Not a religious mentality. A relationship mentality. Every believer... So this applies to me and to every believer in this room this morning. Every believer needs alone time with God where the Holy Spirit can speak to you and with you through the word of God. Every believer needs to be reprogrammed to wash their minds of those religious practices or worldly desires. That did absolutely nothing for us in the spiritual world. You see when a believer commits to spend time with God. The Holy Spirit starts to shape and mold that believer into the new creation that we just read about in 2nd Corinthians. Because you might look at yourself and go, well, I'm not much of a new creation. Well, then you answered the question I'm about to ask you. Do you spend time alone with God? Do you Individually, personally, spend alone time with God. Where you spend 10, 15, 20 minutes a day in your word, quiet, no phone, no radio, no TV, no distractions, alone time with God. Because we all need that alone time. Again, the Holy Spirit starts to shape and mold that believer into that new creation that we need need every single day and that we read, read about a moment ago. You see, this alone time is crucial in the development of every believer, but unfortunately, very few believers give God that time. And there's no condemnation or guilt. If you're feeling that, that's not from me. And that's not from the Holy Spirit. So don't even go down that road. But we do need to self-evaluate our lives so that we can be moved of the Holy Spirit and ask for more of the Holy Spirit to do what we should be doing in our Christian faith. And that's having alone time. And I would say this is really applicable. And I'm just going to look up because I don't want any guy thinking I'm looking directly at them. But this is really applicable to the guys. Look up at the speaker here. <laughs> because women are relationship-orientated, right, ladies? Ladies are relationship-orientated. So they will naturally spend time with people, and they will supernaturally, naturally, once they receive Jesus as their Savior, desire to spend time with God, which will lead them to Bible studies, devotional times. Guys, we're not, we're not like that. So we have to really fight that. We have to fight through that and go, no, I am going to spend time with God. There is a battle, guys, and if, if you don't think there is, uh, there is. Let's look at Galatians chapter 1. So when was Saul's alone time? You know, It could have been the three years that he references in Galatians chapter 1. And again, there's no guilt or condemnation. But if you're not spending that time, I would encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to convict you because conviction leads to, leads to reconciliation and restoration. It leads to repentance. God, I'm sorry that I haven't spent any time with you. It leads to repentance. It leads to reconciliation. I ask for your forgiveness. And it leads to restoration. I'm going to spend time with you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me strength to have time with you. Galatians 1.13 For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that would be the Damascus road, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. So as he's writing this, we want to get this picture. Well, when is he talking about? Most likely between verses 22 and 23 that we're studying in Acts. Notice what he says here. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. So he didn't go to be mentored by one of the disciples, but... I went to Arabia, not Saudi Arabia, but Arabia, and returned again to Damascus. Notice that, and returned again. So he left Damascus, and now in Galatians we see that he returned to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. You see, Saul was sent by God to Arabia for a time of learning the truth of those scriptures that were so deeply entrenched in his mind. He had the word of God in his mind. They just hadn't sunk down to his heart yet. You see, the heart of the law is to show us that we need a Savior. If you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus as your Savior, the law is to show you that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. That's what the law is for. That's all it's for. And if you don't receive Jesus as your Savior, then you will say, no, I'm good enough to get into heaven. And when you get to heaven, you will be judged according to the law. Thou shall not steal. Did you steal one time in your life? You cannot get into heaven. Thou shall not lie. Did you lie one time in your life? You cannot get into heaven. Did you you commit adultery? Oh, no, I never did that. Well, Jesus said, if you look upon the opposite sex with a desire and a lust in your heart to have sex with that person, you've already committed adultery. Ooh, yeah. Can't get to heaven by being good. You have to be perfect according to the law. You have to be perfect. You see, we cannot meet the requirements of the law because our inner nature is deceitful and corrupt. Arabia is where Mount Sinai is located, that mount where Moses received the law. So Saul had time to meditate upon the law and the lawgiver. Guys, he didn't have the New Testament. He only had the old. God, as well as the completer of the law, the living word, Jesus. And this is new. Again, he didn't have writings. So he is just meditating and the Holy Spirit is ministering to him. I have a few slides. Just write them down for the sake of time. Matthew 5, 17. Jesus says, Do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, And the word was God. Now, the Jehovah Witnesses, in their translation, they say, and the word was a God. They inserted inserted the word a there. It's not in the original. They changed the original. How about John 14? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who is the word? The word was God. And who dwelt among us? The word. Jesus. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten. How do we know it's Jesus? Well, it says right here, the only begotten of the Father. Who would be the only begotten of the Father? A, a son, full of grace and truth. If you like to turn to John 14, 23, 24 real quickly. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Very important for me as your pastor, but more importantly as a disciple of Jesus I need to be in the word daily. I hope you're in the word daily this morning. This morning was Philemon. Um, I highlighted some verses I had never highlighted before. The Holy Spirit will minister to you as you read, as you spend alone time with him. The Holy Spirit will minister to you. We just need to give him that time. If we don't give him that time, don't blame God. There's no excuse. We have to give him time. And how is he going to do that? Through his word. He will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Who gave the word to Moses? God, the Father. Again, this might have been the same area that Moses received the law. We can't say for sure. But here Saul is receiving the grace and peace of God that he starts many of his letters with. Grace and peace. They're called the Siamese twins of the New Testament. You can see, the disciples had three years with the Lord, and here we see that Saul had three years with God. In John six sixty three, it says, "It is the Spirit who gives life; the flesh profits nothing." Notice that. In all of my religious duties, which were not religious duties, but just let's say that I was still a Roman Catholic trying to get to heaven, and I didn't have Jesus as my Savior. In all of my religious duties, no matter how sincere they would be, they would not get me to heaven because I'm a wicked person. I need a Savior. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Notice, guys, how we get life and how we continue in that life. When Jesus said, I'm going to give you life and life abundantly, does that mean big homes and fast cars and my house will never burn down? And I'll never get cancer. I'll never get the flu. I'll never get a cold. I'll never get sick. Blah, 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 blah. Christian fiction doesn't mean any of that. It means I'll have the peace of God which surpasses understanding, even in the midst of all of my trials and tribulations. And that's something that the world so desires is peace. You see, there are many men who had alone time with God, time to be discipled. Think of Joseph. Think of Joseph being despised by his brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused by a woman, spent 13 years away from his family in Egypt. Yet, when you study the life of Joseph, the scriptures have nothing negative to say about Joseph. But the scriptures say, the Lord was with Joseph. As you read those scriptures, you'll see several times, specifically says, the Lord was with Joseph. My family rejected me. They sold me into slavery. This woman falsely accused me. I i have been in prison for two years. God, I thought I was serving you. He doesn't say any of that. He just serves. He just serves. He just serves. And the scriptures also say, whatever he did, the Lord prospered. He became the head of Potiphar's house. He became the head of the jail system whatever he did god just gave him benefit gave him blessings but he was still in that predicament didn't take him out of it he was still a slave he was still a prisoner but he did find favor with those whom he served you see moses spent 40 years in the wilderness watching over a rebellious nation but spending time with god David spent ten years running from King Saul, yet he respected, he was respected by his men for not killing King Saul on two separate occasions. We don't know how many years, but John the Baptist was in the wilderness until he was called to teach and preach of the coming Messiah. You see, spending alone time with God is not a top priority for most saints these days. We're too busy. Too many emails. Too much important stuff on social media to catch up on. So many things need to get done. Yet what we get done for the Lord is what is going to last into eternity. Everything else will be burned up at the Bema seat of Christ, the reward seat of Christ. A poet once wrote, Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep, Faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing Thee in my daily life. Only one life, t'will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. We need to be responsible. Not negating any of that. But at the end of the day, guys, it's really going to be what do we do for Jesus? What little thing took five seconds, took five hours, took five days, took five months? What little thing, what big thing? What did I do for Jesus? That's what's going to, that's what as believers we're going to take into eternity. And that's what we're going to stand before Jesus before the Bema Seat and have rewards for. You see, when we even think about Jesus, he spent 30 years in preparation in order to spend three years in the ministry So when we think about these men, what did they learn in their wilderness experiences? What did they learn? They learned humility. They learned dependence upon God, listening to the only one who would truly deliver them. Saul needed alone time in order to deal with his ego. As we mentioned last week, he counted his decades of religious zeal a pile of dung in comparison to knowing Jesus. You see, as you or I, as we spend time with, in a good amount of time with God, you start to realize that you're only visiting this planet. Well, let's look at Philippians. Let's get a couple verses here real quick. Philippians 3. What do you mean we're only visiting this planet? Well, Philippians 3.20 says this. For our citizenship is in heaven. Yes, I have an American passport. I, I never intend of giving that up. It gives me tremendous freedoms to have that, but it's just temporary. I have a heavenly passport from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. Remember his glorious body on the road to Emmaus and the night that he showed up, the resurrection night to the disciples? He had his glorious body. You and I, we are going to get a glorious body. No more aches and pains, praise God. No more leave. no more cancer treatment. According to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Let's look at 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Again, just to help get us a perspective. We need to have a perspective. This has popped into my head, so I know it's the Holy Spirit. When we first got married, I had a brother that, that got very wealthy. And so in my mind, money was, was the answer. And so I was making five fifty an hour, married, $300 a month rent, groceries, all, all that other stuff, five fifty an hour. You guys can do the math. It's not a lot of money. And I would go out and buy lottery tickets because I knew that I was going to scratch the one that was going to make me rich. I just knew that. And I was a Christian at the time. I just knew it. And after a couple months, the Holy spirit convicted me. What are you doing? What are you doing? Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, I was seeking after money at that time. I wanted to be rich. My, Unfortunately, I was a believer, but at that moment in time, I wouldn't say that love for the money was more than the love for God, but it was, a, it was something in my life that had to be dealt with. And God dealt with it. Praise God for all that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. One day, guys, we're going to step away from this life. And if God has blessed you financially, use it for him as the scriptures teach us to do. I'm not I'm not teaching anything wrong about having money. If God has blessed you with that, he hasn't seemed to bless me with that. He doesn't trust me. He knows me better than I know myself. That's the way I look at it. He, he knows me. So, that's fine. Don't seek after it. Seek after him. And he'll take care of all the other needs that you and I might have. Why? Because the world's passing away. So if he has blessed you financially, use it for his glory. Again, nothing wrong with that. Just don't hang on to it too tight. Cause it can go very, very quickly. Let's look back in Acts. Now after many days, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill Saul. So after being gone for at least three years, spending time with the Lord, the past hunter became the current hunted. Saul's faith is going to be tested and it would be, be refined and it will refine his life. It's been said that a faith that is not tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. James 1 says, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse, diverse, when you fall into various trials. Diverse is New, is King James. New King James. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. So if you're going through a trial, God's with you. God hasn't left you. God hasn't forsaken you. He's with you. It's a refining process to be used. You see, as Claudia went through breast cancer, that opened up another door for her to minister to other women that that she was sitting next to when she was going through chemo or when she showed up for radiation to minister to that person. And they couldn't look at her and say, well, you don't understand. Because she did understand. She knew exactly what it was like. So even as we go through our trials and tribulations, we've got to see the bigger picture in life that it opens a door that other people can't go through. But I can go through and I can now witness to others about. So see, guys, nothing's wasted in the kingdom if we have a kingdom mindset. Nothing is wasted. We just got to keep that kingdom mindset. 24 and 25, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him, but the, then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. That must have been really cool to see. Uh, 2 Corinthians 11 says this, if you'd like to turn there quickly. In Damascus, the governor under Eretus, the king, was guarding the city of the Damascenes with a garrison, desiring to arrest me. So not only did the Jews want to kill him, but also the governor was in part with the Jews. Verse 33, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped from his hands. This Eratos was governor from 4 BC to 40 AD, which would have made this occurrence of Saul's probably in the late 30s, the original 30s. A-D. I wish there was more specific dates, but there's not in the Bible. My father-in-law used to say to, to my wife and to his kids, when you give a card, always put a date on it. Always put a date on it. So she always does. It. If she writes a birthday card or whatever, she always makes sure she puts a date on it. It'd be wonderful to have specific dates, but we don't. But we can look back in history and go, okay, this governor was alive and he reigned during this time, so it had to be the late 30s. Back in Acts 20, uh, 9, 26... And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, so now he's gone to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. And it's been what already? It's already been three years. Kind of interesting. Yeah, I think most of us would have been afraid of Saul. Where's he been? Where's he been? Has he been killing people? Recruit? What's he been doing? He's been gone at least for three years. And in their eyes, he's coming back to town to possibly pretend to be a Christian. Maybe even to entrap more of the followers of Jesus. But Barnabas, notice, here again we see Barnabas, the son of consolation or comfort. You see, Barnabas spent time with Saul and heard his testimony. He took the time to sit with this past murderer, He took the time to sit with him and to hear his testimony. And Barnabas believed that God could change anybody. And he saw that Saul was truly changed. And so he took Saul to the apostles and shared with them the good news. But Barnabas took Saul and brought him to the apostles. And Barnabas declared to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road. And that he had spoken to him. And how he, Saul, had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem coming in and going out. So now we see that Saul is hanging out with the disciples, the apostles at Jerusalem. This man who used to be a persecutor has now become a preacher. What a transformation is taking place in Saul's life. And I'm sure that there were those who had lost the lost love. I mean, think about it. There were those there. It's just been three years who lost loved ones. This is the guy Who took my parents, who took my mom, who took my dad, who took my brother, who took my cousin. He took and voted. He had him killed. And now I'm supposed to love this guy. That must have been hard for some of the saints. Yet we do not hear of any disharmony, guys. This is incredible. The right hand of fellowship via God's forgiveness was extended. You will only be able to find that depth of love in a Bible teaching and Holy Spirit filled Christian church. That's the only place you'll be able to find that love. Verse 29. And he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed against the Hellenist. But they attempted to kill him. But when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea, which is a city on the coast, the sea coast, beautiful city, and sent him out to Tarsus. Where was Tarsus? Where he was born, send him home, go home, be gone. And this again is that time frame we believe to be five to seven years. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee and Samaria had peace and were edified or were built up. I'm going to read it very quickly. Galatians one says afterwards, I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and as unknown by the face of the churches of Judea, which are in Christ. But they were hearing only, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. Again, scholars believe that Saul was in that area of Tarsus between five to seven years. And the next time we will see him is when Barnabas went to find him in Acts 11.25, which we'll get to in a couple months. Again, I have this highlighted in my Bible. And walking in the fear of the Lord... And in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied or the church grew in numbers. So, guys, we have a tremendous uh, blessing to be ambassadors for Christ as we go out this week. I hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend. But no matter what happens in our lives, as I went forth into Costco this past Friday afternoon (laughs) to pick up some TVs for the church saved 150 bucks you see when i pray lord give us wisdom and spending money i i, I try to I, I do it guys it's your money we're spending so i take it seriously but claudia just said you know it's gonna be busy so we just got to have a, an attitude of patience and love and we just we didn't care we just went in We were with each other, had a good time. We got out of the way when we need to get out of the way. People kept looking at us because we had TVs stacked up and toilet paper. It's like, why do you have toilet paper on top of the TVs? Well, let me tell you. (laughs) One for her bedroom, one for my bedroom. That's what it's all about. No, no. I mean, it's just, you just got to have fun with it. Who cares, right? We're going to heaven. At the end of the day, it's going to burn anyways, right? It's it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. Let's stand, guys. So, You know, what? have an attitude of thanksgiving. It's not about Thanksgiving weekend. Every day. How many of you are saved? How many of you are going to heaven? (laughs) The worst day on this earth is nothing. We're going to heaven, guys. Father, we thank you and praise you for the free gift of salvation. And Lord, we thank you and praise you for this life we see of Saul. That he just didn't, boom, get right into the ministry. He had to spend time with you. And as he spent time with you, ministry started to take place. Father, help us to do the same, especially us men. I know for us guys, it's hard to set aside that time. We have so many things weighing on our minds. Father, help us as as men of God to set time aside, devotional time, no distractions, no phone, no TV, no mates, no children, to really set those few moments aside, 10, 15, 20 minutes a day, every single day, that we might grow through the word of God, to be those examples for our children, for our mates, if we're single, to be, to be those examples for other singles, to not neglect the most important thing of our day, time with you. Father, if there's anyone in our midst this morning that does not have Jesus as their Savior, I pray that they would come forward after the service and that they would be humble enough to ask Jesus to be their Savior. This study means nothing apart from you. Bring them forward, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week, guys. Wednesday night service, come on out. God bless you guys. If you need prayer for anything, please come up. We'd love to pray for you.
1: Never stop, never stop working Even when I don't see it, you work Even when I don't feel it, you work